Hello, beautiful woman. Welcome to Range Woman, the variety show. Range to me is defined as the ability to take on multiple tasks or projects simultaneously, efficiently, and effectively, whilst being able to tap into and or embody the energetic states required for each of the tasks or projects with ease, flow, and grace. My name is Lala Angela Wang, and it is my intention through featuring a range of amazing women that I have come across in my life to inspire you too to follow your dreams, your desires, and creating the life of your dreams. I am a huge believer that we can all have it all in this lifetime, perhaps just not all at once. So if you so desire, join me on an amazing journey to discover your inner range. All right, we are live. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode eight of Range Woman, the variety show. So for those of you who don't know what range woman actually means, it just means women who are capable of I don't like to use the word juggling, so I'm going to say flowing between different states and different responsibilities and different roles, really, in their life. But here's the key, with ease, flow, and plenty of pleasure. And my guest today has definitely mastered the gift of Range Woman, Lata Hamilton. I am so excited. For those of you who don't know Lata, hi. So Lata is the founder of Passion Pioneer. But she's more than that. She's the person that introduced me to personal development. And really, I was saying before this interview, like, I wouldn't be here today doing what I love, pursuing my passion and living dreams beyond dreams, as I always say, really without Lata. So with so much gratitude, with so much love, Lata, welcome to Range Woman. And I am so grateful. I'm just going to take off my glasses because I feel like I'm getting a lot of reflections. So awesome. Fantastic to be here. There you go. (laughs) So I'm going to start with a question which I think a lot of people are not familiar with, which I really didn't know until I start getting into like executive levels with change management. So can you tell us what change management is? What do you do? A lot of people are like, well, change management just like when they're restructuring and sacking us and need to get us in. But it's it's beyond that, isn't it? It's not just about jobs and and changes and all the shitty stuff. There's actually a lot of, in my opinion, human touches to change management. It, there's actually a lot of care. There's actually a lot of humanness in doing what you do. And while you're doing that, I'm not going to be rude but I'm just going to share us um, more on social media. So I'll let you tell us what change management is or do that. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Okay. So, um, yeah, as uh, Angela kind of said, I am the founder of Passion Pioneers, um, founder and CEO, actually. And we are a change leadership training, executive coaching and change management services um, organization. And so if you don't know what change management is, then you're probably sitting here pretty confused. Um, (laughs) A growing industry. So it's okay if you've never heard of it before. Um, And Lala's actually really right, like in terms of it's often often used as almost like a softener word for restructures and operating model changes, which is ironic because that's actually the area that I work in the most with change um, through Passion Pioneers. Often where there's job loss that's been caused because of um, technology or digital transformation, digital disruption. But rightly so, as you mentioned, um, it is actually so much more than that. So I like to define change management really simply. It's moving people from doing things in one way organizational change within an organization so moving people from doing things in one way to doing things in a new way Um, and it can be any type of organizational change it isn't just about restructures and model changes and you know redesigns and things like that 
It could be um, a new process that's being put in place. It could be a new system, a new application, a new digital, you know, digital platform that's being put into place. It could be a new structure and a new operating model, um, or it could be a new product or a new service, or even it could be the stopping of a product or service that you might be. Um, it could be the, the move to remote work, like we saw um, with COVID or the move to flexible working. It could be cultural change and actually trying to get a focus on well-being or a sense of leadership or a sense of empowerment going throughout the organization. So it can be actually anything that is going to impact people, but actually requires the people in your organization, your team, um, to think, feel, and do something differently. And so we're moving people from doing things I'm off screen, in one way to a new way. And we do that through communications, through training, through business readiness, through support, through feedback channels. And because I've got the neuro-linguistic programming and the coaching background, I bring a ton of NLP and coaching into my change management work to really transform the emotions of mm. people who are being impacted. Because what happens often is that businesses think that as long as they give enough reasons why, everybody will get on board with change. They think that if they just kind of go, you know, we need sales to be up or we need this to be down or we need or, you know, X, Y, Z, they think, well, everybody's going to get on board, right? But the problem is, is that that's all the logical reasons why. And when people are in huge amounts of stress, anxiety and fear, which change brings up for everybody because we are literally hardwired that way, people actually close their ears down to logic. So we actually need to take a different tack. And that's what I bring into change management. That's my point of difference, having that NLP and coaching mm. side. I'm able to actually create change strategies, cre create change plans and drive change activities that are really going to have that emotional transformation with people. And then as they move through and as they start to release the grip on um, their fears, their challenges and their problems, then I also start to inspire them and empower them around what the future could mean, what it could look like. And change management is all about making sure that people are informed, confident and ready for the change that they're um, excited about it and they're happy mm. to go live and launch it and launch with it and that it's going to sustain and embed over time so it's actually going to last long after launch so that the business can realize the benefits so, so two little words well one big word management two little <laughs> words change management and it actually you know has a huge 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 um resonance i guess in business now especially with things like covid where mm. understanding how we bring our people on board with necessary changes as well as desired changes is just so critical why do you think people hate changes so much i think it is fear why do you think yeah, yeah it's, say it's that. the fear it's the fear and often it's that fear of loss because when we're talking about organizational changes like we've got to remember people's jobs are not just a paycheck it, they just aren't. Like jobs mean so much more. And often we think, well, you know, you're being paid. Why don't you just do what we're telling you to do? Like you're getting the money for this. But really, you know, organizations are melting pots of different needs and different desires and, um, you know, of, of, of politics and emotions mm. and, um, and different relationships. So because of that, we actually take a whole heap into the organization, a lot of expectations into our organization and into our work and into our careers and what we do. Um, and we want to, you know, have the best time possible when we want to get our outcomes and our goals. And as soon as a change comes down the line, that starts to get threatened. Mm. So it could be that, okay, well, this new system is going to make our processes more efficient, but then those two people over there are going to lose their jobs because we don't need them manually entering data when, mm. like, you know, artificial intelligence is going to run everything in the background and learn even faster than those people could. Um, yeah. Or even just something like, um, imagine even something with COVID, like all of the other services that would have happened in the office, like you think that it's just about sending people home and getting them set up on the tech to work from home. But you've also got to remember that there's actually a whole heap of people who work in the office whose job it is is to make the office 
a good environment to work in? What do those people do? And that's one of the reasons why I love working on the side of restructures and operating model changes because it really gets to the heart of that. Like all change really does trigger people and mm. obviously people who are more aware and have built up that resilience and built up that muscle of change comfort and change acceptance move through the the, the kind of the uh, factor a little bit quicker, like, you know, like for me, for example, I love change. Obviously, not just because I'm a change manager. <laughs> I am a senior change manager, but no, so not only because of that, but also because like I love the variety. I love being challenged. I love the growth. I love being thrown in the deep end. Mm. And I still have, you know, moments like where I'm like, oh, do I want this to happen? Like, you know, if something gets announced, I'm like, do I want to operate in that new way or do mm. I want to use that new system? And I I have resistance myself and so I'm always keeping myself in check going, what would I say to those impact people? <laughs> Can I reframe this to go, this is actually going to be something that I know long-term is going to benefit me, it's going to make things easier, it's going to help me connect and collaborate with my team mm. um, or it's just going to mean that, you know, I'm able to provide better value, better service to the organisation. It's so good that you're actually embodying what you teach as well. Like it's so needed out there. <laughs> I try. I'm human as well, right? And we're talking yeah. about six million years of programming. <laughs> and we like things to stay stable. We like things yeah. to stay the same because then we know what the outcome is going to be. We're certain of what we're going to get. We're certain of our place in the world or our place in the organization or our place in our role. Mm. Um, and we can structure our, our life around that and we can get a lot of meaning and also feel good. Like pride is yeah. a huge factor of the work that we do. Mm. Um so if people are feeling like maybe their role isn't going to be around anymore, it's like, well, what did that mean for the last five years of this? It's almost work like you feel redundant, doesn't it? It's like, well, I'm your not role is being. Yeah. yeah, and that's actually a really good point to make because people aren't made um, people aren't made redundant. Roles are made redundant. Mm. Yeah. But the person themselves is not redundant. It's the role that's no longer required or particular tasks in the role. That person has so much value to add. Mm. And it's funny because I do have some older clients sometimes and they might be, say, in their late 40s or early 50s and they're like, oh, you know, I've reached the end of my career. I'm like, buddy, <laughs> or, you know, hun. I'm like, you've actually got like 10 to 15 years worth of good working years ahead of you. You could fit three careers into that. Like you are not over the hill in any way, shape or form. If anything, you're a spring chicken and we've just got to get you, you know, really kind of getting excited about what mm. the future could look like for you and what you could learn and get you back, you know, excited about that growth, that challenge and that variety. That is so good. Now tell me about your business name, Passion Pioneers. How did you come up with that name and what was the inspiration and how has it got anything to do with change management? <laughs> well, it's a good question. I think business <laughs> names are really kind of funny. Like they evolve over time. Like originally it was just sort of me. Like I think my brand was like Lada Hamilton, um, NLP practitioner and coach. And it was really when I sort of started to move more into that restructure operating model, mm. digital transformation space and really focusing in on career, focusing in on job loss and looking at how I can help leaders and teams actually carve their own path for change and, you know, in their career and in their life. And it was really around the pioneers part. Like I wanted to somehow showcase almost kind of like, you know, with this like, you know, womanly way and stuff like that to showcase that you can actually create your own decisions and your own choices in your own pathways because that's what I've mm. done. Like I've broken all the rules in career, all the rules. I move jobs every sort of like one to two years. I actually start to get itchy feet after about eight months. I <laughs> looked at, after I had done a grad program and they told me that I had to like do my time before I could become a leader. I was like, no. And I like went down a different career path, completely changed industry um, and went down a different career path in order to have my needs satisfied and have my ambition satisfied. And I was okay with that. I was confident. I learned the skills as to how I could go about doing it. And, you know, I completely transformed. And that's why I was able to triple my salary in the space of three years. I am now a thought leader in a area that I'm so passionate about, which is change management. And I, um, you know, have my own business as well on the side. Mm. And I work on huge changes. Like I'm talking really big scale changes that can impact like hundreds of thousands of people across the entire country. Um, 
And I love it. Like I love the fact that I am able to work on things of such scale and such importance. It gives me so much purpose and meaning. And I think to myself sometimes if I had just, you know, accepted what other people were telling me and going, yeah, I do have to wait 10 years before I can be mm. a leader or I do have to wait 10 years before I can be call myself an expert in this field. Yeah. Like I wouldn't be able to add anywhere near as much value as I do now. So mm. that's the pioneers part of it. And the passion part is a little bit controversial even for myself because a lot there's a lot of, um, you know, discussion out there around this word passion and, like, mm. find your passion and only do the things that give you passion. It's almost an overused word, isn't it? It really is. And that's why it's ironic that it is part of my <laughs> business name because I actually don't believe that passion is everything. I actually mm. believe that it's what you're passionate about right now. And as well as, you know, knowing that the future of work is really changing already, it's going to change even more skill sets and job roles and career paths that we all thought were safe and that we all thought were always going to be around. Like digital and technology is just transforming that. Automation and artificial intelligence is going to throw all that out the mm. window. And we're going to need to create new um pathways for ourselves new types of roles new job design new new types of work new industries even and so it doesn't matter almost like what you know now it's about how you go about doing it and as long as you are enjoying like a good chunk of your time at work mm. and what you're doing um like if you're working in a role or um, on tasks that really like drain you all day, every day, and you're feeling really negative. Yeah, we need to look at that. <laughs> um, but if you're over the fifty percent mark, like you're doing pretty well. Like you, nobody can expect to actually be happy and switched on mm. with every single thing that they do, every minute of every day that they're working. So the passion is more about what are you passionate about right now, and that can change over time. Like I used to be super passionate about media. That's what I did my university degree in. I'm not anymore. Then it was marketing. I, I love marketing still. I love anything to do with customer, anything to do with experience, anything to do with mm. journeys, personas. I love all that marketing stuff. I don't want to be a marketer anymore. I love change management. And I know that maybe down the track, there's something else that I'm really passionate about and that's okay. Mm. So it's kind of passion pioneers like it's sort of about carving your own path and just enjoying what it is that you do right now and yeah. finding things that you can do whether that's at work or in your life um because I'm a, I'm a realist I'm also really practical like when I'm coaching um any leader or any client around their um career I'm like yeah and you've got to put food on the table and you've got to pay your bills so you do also need something that is going to pay you well and it's going to give you the right level of financial security. So I'm not that person who kind of goes, you know, as long as you follow your passion, it doesn't matter if, you know, you're, you're sleeping on a cup in a cardboard box, uh, you know, as long as you're doing mm. something that you're passionate about. No, no, no. It's about sustainable passion. Um, yeah. And it's also about choosing your own path and choosing what's right for you and doing that from a place of choice, um, of awareness, of choice, and of confidence. And that's what we really do with Passion Pioneers. We we arm leaders and we arm teams to be able to do that. Mm. That is so good because I've gone through a, a phase of first, when I first started, it was all about passion. Yeah. And now slowly what I've realised, and that's why my brain has sort of shifted over the years, yeah. is I now talk about more about pleasure because pleasure is being present on the spot Wherever, mm. wherever your pleasure guides you, you know you're going to be on the right path, right? When, yeah. when you start to have resentment, frustration, and when you tap away from pleasure and just thinking about this is what I should do, this is what's expected of me, that's when we lose that fun, that passion, that pleasure state, really. Yeah. So I love that. I love that so much. And it's and, like... And maybe that's also sort of a little bit the difference as well between sort of like joy and happiness. Like... It's almost like passion is almost seen as that longer term mm. um, kind of uh, state that you're trying to aspire yeah. to. But pleasure is in the moment. Like you can get pleasure from so many different things. You can get pleasure from, you know, the smell of your morning coffee. Mm -hmm. You can get pleasure from the sun, you know, how the sun feels on your skin. You can get pleasure from somebody saying, hey, you did a fantastic job, um, you know, on that presentation. You can get pleasure from all of those things. It doesn't mean that you're in 
like a perpetual state of pleasure. It's those no. it's those peaks, right? Yeah. That kind of add that spark to your day. And I kind of see something similar when it comes to joy and happiness. Mm-hmm. I used to not really think about joy a lot. I used to just be like, I want to be happy. Like happiness is what I'm striving for. And I know some people strive for love. Some people strive for freedom. For me, it was it was happiness. And then I kind of came to this realization where I was like, actually, I feel like happiness is that undercurrent. Like mm. happiness is that sort of that, that, that long-term state. It's almost like all paths lead there. But joy is those moments of sparkle and those yeah. moments of, of, of um, kind of just really feeling either in touch with yourself or connected to somebody else or, um, you know, the, all of those positive emotions mm. that kind of pop up. They don't last. Nobody stays happy no. 100% of the time forever. So, again, it's that recognition, like it's okay to have those peaks and troughs in emotion. That's what makes us human. We aren't robots. It's what we have that robots don't have until they, you know, make robots with emotional um, (laughs) reactions. But that's part of the joy of being human. So it is about kind of, I guess, accepting that and actually just, yeah, enjoying those, um, those different states and that variety that we're able to get from being human. I also love how, and, and going back to being a pioneer, right, mm-hmm. that you actually challenge the traditional view of passion. Because I know when I was growing up, it's certainly like, it's almost like people are too scared to commit to a passion because yes. if you commit to something and then later on you're like, oh, shit, I'm not passionate about this anymore and keep on changing things. It's almost like our society really looked down on it. And even for me, when I first started my journey, it was like, well, I kind of want to do this. I kind of want to do that. And if you are into human design, which I am, I'm a generator. And generators are porn. We're cursed to have ideas. And it's actually our job to change and to actually be okay with it. So I, I love the fact that you're saying, you know, our passion change. It's not a fixated thing where you have to stick with one passion because sticking with one passion for your entire lifetime, that's a lot of responsibility. And you might have people who literally do just have one passion for their whole lifetime. Like I last year I was in the south of France and um, I can't remember. I think it was Cezanne. I'm just going to say Cezanne. Um, no, it wasn't Cezanne. It was somebody. I can't remember who. I think it was Cezanne actually who was in um, Aix-en-Provence. And he literally just, just focused on painting. Like he was just fixated mm. with this place. And I was like, wow, like... Um, he was fixated with this city that he lived in and the countryside around the city to the detriment of like everything else, to the detriment of um, career. Like I think his dad wanted him to be a banker and he never actually went and was a banker um, to the detriment of relationships and everything like that. Like that's almost beyond passion. Like that's almost Mm. obsession. But then you have somebody else who another place that I went to when I was in France was um, the Butterfly Museum. I think it was in Saint-Tropez. And this guy had literally lived his whole life like collecting butterflies and he was an artist as well but he spent his whole life collecting butterflies and he didn't see that museum come to life come to fruition where all of his butterflies were being able to like be kept in one place and stuff like that like he was very well renowned universities would like you know collaborate with him and stuff like that but he didn't see the museum come to life until the very end of his life Mm. um but he had this incredible rich kind of life and to me that was almost like that's like that's living passion like yeah he he had a very very targeted focus but it wasn't necessarily to the detriment of everything else like he loved putting time and energy into it um Mm -hmm. and he also had a rich life from memory from what I remember from the museum that around that um yeah so it's kind of almost like and and I guess the other thing as well when it comes to to passion is is like I feel that because of all of the rhetoric around Mm. passion, um, there's a lot of pressure. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves going, I must have a passion and I must find that passion. And if I don't, especially for, you know, our generation, Gen Y, Mm. um, it's like if we don't have that passion, like we aren't fully fledged human beings (laughs) or fully fledged adults. And it's like, yeah. If you're feeling so much pressure, like that's not what passion's about either. So just do things that you like. <laughs> like let's not overcomplicate it. No. Like, just do things that you like, even if it's only 50 to 60% at the time. Like you're doing pretty well. Like you're over the halfway point, you're over the tipping point. 
Like, let's just take the pressure off ourselves and just start to enjoy what it is that we do. I love that so much. Like, really, I think our society these days, we put so much pressure on everything. Yeah. But what we don't realise is the moment that we put pressure on something, it's almost taking away the true meanings of doing the thing. Yeah. So talking about, you know, pressures and, and having different things and not t- letting it taking over your life completely. I know you're passionate about change management. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but how, like, obviously you're passionate about your business as well, but you still hold a corporate career. Yes, I and do. They're not, and they're not just a, you know, a receptionist kind of work, nothing wrong with being a receptionist, but they are important corporate jobs that's, like, up there. And you've been doing that for as long as I've known you. Yes. You've been- <laughs> Juggling both. What keeps you going and how? Just how do you do it? Because I, I know the answer to how I do my things and mm-hmm. a lot of people often ask me, but I'm interested to know from another person who's also doing the same, yes. how do you do it? That's a good question. I, it, it, again, kind of almost like passion, it chops and changes. So up until um, July this year, I was only working four days a week. So for the first few years of my business, I was holding a corporate career and I um, slowly kind of transitioned. So for the first for the first um, few years, I was in marketing and then I moved into the space of change management because I really enjoyed that. And so then I started to look for ways because I was really enjoying my business and I wanted to be able to have that dedicated um, time during the week to actually be able to do it because I was doing it on the weekends and I was doing it in the evenings and I was starting to burn myself out you know, within the first sort of year, especially of kicking off my business, I was like, wow, I can't keep mm. this up. Um, and so I slowly started to look at how I could actually get some get some wins and get some time back. And what I ended up doing was um, I ended up in a role where I was actually able to essentially work four days of the week, but earn, a, earn the same equivalent salary as working five. So it was just stacking my hours. Um, so if, mm. you're, if, if you're in a situation where you've got that Um, flexible work practice and things like that like it is something like you're doing the same amount of time and delivering more like obviously I deliver a lot of value as well I'm really good at what I do and I'm I'm more than happy to say that because Mm -hmm. you know that's also what allows me to do what I do because I deliver great work and I get great outcomes and I build fantastic relationships people also then have that trust in me to be able to manage my time and manage my work and make sure that I can get things done and there are going to be times when the projects that I'm working on the changes that I'm working on are going to need me to you know do extra time with them or do that and I'm always happy to sort of jump in and commit Mm. at those times knowing that then there'll be sort of slower periods um, where I'm able to kind of have that little bit more um, kind of balance. So I ended up in a role where I was able to have that day off per week. And I know it sounds really strange, but like being a business owner and working full time, it's almost like the evenings and the weekends is actually the time when a lot of people have a lot of extra time because they're on meetings all day. Um, So it's actually when a lot of clients are available. So it really works Mm. for them. But there's something psychological about having, you know, the period of nine to five on a weekday to work in my business. Um, There's something psychological about that. Like it's almost like it makes me feel more like a business owner. And it takes away from being a hobby. That's how I feel. Absolutely. It it really, really does. And um, so (laughs) like... It was great to have that, um, to have that. And then when I moved into my next role, which ended up being a contract position, um, which I do a lot of, by the way, it's one of the ways that I've managed to have a really, like a very high salary. Like I'm very, very, very well paid. Um, so it's how I've managed to have that high salary and have the flexibility to mm. has been because I've gone down the contract route, which projects change IT. There are heaps of roles that actually allow you to go down the contract route and when you Mm. go down the contract route you get paid a premium because there isn't any job security Mm. so you won't get paid sick leave if you don't work a day you don't earn that day um there's no sick leave there's no annual leave there's no public holiday pay there's no um you know any of those other kinds of benefits that you'd usually get usually in um a workplace however what you get on the other side which i personally love and i know it's not for everybody it is a good option though if you are able to even if you have the confidence or you work with somebody like a coach to build the confidence 
um, what I get is flexibility, a great salary that allows me to then, you know, invest my time differently. So what I ended up doing was I then moved into a contract role where, again, I was working like the four days per week and earning the same as I would earn if I was to work five because of that premium that gets paid on a contract. Um, and I was doing that for the last um, good, probably a good year, actually. Um, so I so I kind of worked four days a week for about two years. But as COVID kind of hit and as I was working from home, what I actually did was I found that because I was saving a good couple of hours on commute each day, I went back to working five days a week. Um, so now I am working full time again. It's almost like I've gone backwards, right? Mm. And so I am working full time again, doing my business in the evenings and on the weekends because I have, again, because I'm a contractor, when I have client work through Passion Pioneers, I'm able to just take that day off I don't get paid for that day, um, but obviously I'm doing client work. So I choose the time. So like, for example, the last two days I've been, I ran a workshop for a symposium. So I've taken that time off because I'm representing passion pioneers. Mm. So that is kind of how I now structure my time. And again, it's not, it's not like, okay, well, the moment that I went to four days, I could never go back to five. It was really nice to have that day, you know, during the week. But also what I found, um, which is something to really look out for, for anybody who um, has got a side hustle and does look at taking time off, what I found was I would use that day to go to my dental appointments. And I would mm. end up, you know, being at home because um, often I was going into the office on the days that I um, was working in my contract and then um, I would work from home for the days that I was working in my business. So I'd find that I'd put the washing on and I would actually do all this stuff. And I was like, this is silly. Like, mm. why am I, <laughs> why am I doing all of this additional work um, that's not actually my business on the day that I've designated for my business? So that was kind of one of the other reasons that I decided to go back to work five days a week. And then the final reason that I decided to go back to work five days a week was because I hired a cleaner. And I can tell you right now that that was a very, like a decision that was very, very, very long time in the making. Very long time. I ummed and ahed over a cleaner for a very long time because while I, you know, do have a great salary, I'm also quite... Um, quite a smart spender I would say like I um I kind of really choose where I invest my money and where I invest my time because I do believe that time is money so I was really reluctant to hire a cleaner but I thought to myself look if I go back to work for the extra day per week I can hire a cleaner who's who for four hours like that's like a couple of hours worth of work mm. for me but also coming back to this passion or this joy thing I hate cleaning hate it with a passion every time I had to go and do it because I had guests coming that's usually what would trigger me to have like I would either yeah like have guests coming and I'd be like oh I've got to clean everything and so I hated it so much and I kept thinking to myself I was like why am I doing this I have so much more value to offer that cleaner can offer me so much value because they're going to do a better job than I do because I'm not very good at it either I don't enjoy it. And I'm like, I could actually be going and, you know, working with a leader who then works with a team of 200 people and actually get even better results, like, get, you know, have more mm. impact um, by using my core skill sets, which is, you know, change management, neurolinguistic programming, training, facilitating, um, you know, speaking, presenting. So it's actually about playing to my strengths and that was something else that I did. So I've actually had a cleaner even before I went to five days, um, but it was also like a, a pretty good draw card too. So, yeah, like I mentioned, it's, it's about finding what works for you and finding what's flexible and fluid. And I've actually found like while it is a lot of work um, and quite can, can be quite long days and quite long hours, Sometimes I think to myself, I'm like, if I wasn't doing this, what would I be doing? Like, mm. <laughs> been watching Netflix and, you know, like or maybe I'll go for a walk around the block, but I, I often do that between work and starting my business in the evening. So I'm like, you know, at least I'm actually spending my additional time doing something that's helping people, that's building something for myself, that's, um, you know, and also my, my business gives me two really, really incredible things. 
The first is challenge. You being a business owner, la la, like I think that you know <laughs> that you are constantly learning. The market yeah. is constantly changing. My business is constantly changing. I'm constantly creating. Like it, it's just so. It's it's such a great um, way of challenging me, especially because I'm somebody who picks up things really quickly. Like I learn really fast. So. I can get bored really quickly. Yeah. Like you heard me say after about eight months, I'm like, yeah, okay. Like what, what's the new <laughs> sort of thing? So my business keeps me on my toes. It really does. Mm. But the second thing that I really love about my business as well is that I get to be so creative. I get to be really, really creative. And I don't work in marketing anymore. There is a lot of creativity and change management. Um, and my business allows me to just do so much creativity and it's my brand. It's my... Um, you know, it's my feel, it's my look. I get to, you know, design my website and all of these sorts of things that I really, really love. As well as, you know, obviously, I guess a third C is obviously my clients, like the client mm. transformations, the feedback. When I see people's lives transform, people's careers transform, people's teams, changes transformed, it's just, it's just really, really great. And it reminds me, I'm like, this is why I do it. Like, mm. <laughs> you know, I might as well be spending my time. I do build in a lot of balance so I work out um, five to six times a week um, I you know try to like I cook a lot of healthy food I I do I love eating out like I'm an absolute foodie that's actually why I was in France last year um, was because I went on a um, week-long cooking course in Provence oh, so, so good yeah and like I actually have a very rich full life I see my friends I, I watch tons of Netflix more than you would think that I do um, I wake up early. I'm a real early bird and I'm usually in bed by, say, like 10 o'clock usually every night because I um, just start to feel like I'm feeling tired now. Sunsetting. So I actually, I just build all of that stuff in and it is busy. Like it is. And I love it. Like I took two You wouldn't live in a different way, would you? No. And I, I had a staycation, which was my first time ever staycation, like of, and obviously it was caused because of COVID. Um, so I had this staycation and there were times where I was like, I can't watch any more TV. <laughs> I can't plant any more seeds in my vegetable garden. Like I'm like, like I'm like, uh, like I, I tried my hand at cooking a few unique new kind of recipes and I was like, like I'm getting that little bit stir crazy. Um, so, yeah, and then, and then the other thing that I would also say, and again, it's the way that I've chosen to structure my life and the way that I've chosen to structure um, my career. Because I am a contractor, I get to take off the time that I want. So mm. like last year, I took two and a half months off. Um, I toured the south of France. Um, I stayed and lived in a little village in the south of France for the first month and did day trips all across the south of France and Provence, um, including Monaco, which was also really cool. Um, and then after that, I went and did the one-week cooking course in Aix-en-Provence. And then I went to Sardinia for a couple of days. And then I met a friend in Spain and we toured around um, Spain and went to a few cities in Spain. And then I flew back to Australia, did a Tony Robbins course, so personal development, um, and then had a couple of days to work on my business and then I went back to work. So two and a half months and, like, literally it was amazing and I got to do that because of the way that I've structured my work and because mm. of the way that I've structured my career um, and what I've kind of prioritised. Mm. And I think, like, at least for me anyway, having a career and having a business actually allows me to be more structured and more mm. not structured in a way that it's rigid, right? Structured in a way that it's fluid and it suits me, but I am actually a lot more productive because of my business. Yeah. Right? Yes. It's like five o'clock, got to go home, got to do this and make sure that everything just runs. But it's not because I feel like I need to do it. It's more for me and I love when you said you wouldn't live life any other way. I've tried yeah. taking a month of business and just do the normal things like watching TV and go home. I'm like, I got bored after a week. I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this for the rest of my life. It's almost like yeah. it really, it's like what you said, it enriches you. And the other C that I'm going to introduce to your three C, I think it's really community as well, right? Because that's yeah. how we met. I, I still remember yeah. Sebastian Terry was on the stage. We're at the custom um, museum, no, custom house. 
at um not Darling Harbour. What's that place? Circular Key. Anyway, Circular Key. And yeah. we were literally talking about, I still remember the conversation. We're drawing our life wheel. And last house just started um making kimchi. <laughs> and we literally now, both wrote down. <laughs> we both wrote down food as one of our priorities. Yeah. And that was how the, the conversation started. You know, it's really funny that you say that because I actually have another friend who I've known since university. We started talking about the blueberries that used to grow behind her parents' place in Russia. We have been friends for over a decade and I seem to create a lot of connections around food. Um, I am an absolute foodie. It is an absolute passion of mine. Um, it's, it's And it's funny because... It's not my career and it's not my business and it's still a passion. You don't always have to work in your passion. You can use it as, you know, a hobby or what you do in your downtime as your way to kind of, you know, relax from your business. But, yeah, but continue. So we, we started connecting around food and the kimchi Literally. that was probably exploding. <laughs> <laughs> Which has happened to a batch of sauerkraut that I did once try to make. It did explode in my cupboard. Um, <laughs> obviously, guests build up. Yeah, <laughs> but I did just make a um a jar of red capsicum jam, and it's like this almost like a chutney style, like vinegary sweet. Oh my god, so good with steak. Um, or poured over mascarpone cheese. Mm. So maybe we should send the recipe out <laughs> for that. Or afterwards. a steak sandwich. Yes, exactly. It's almost yeah. like that, you know, caramelized onion. Oh my god, we could talk about. Food Actually, this is so. <laughs> so familiar because I believe that's what we started talking about kimchi that all things kimchi <laughs> yeah probably but I guess like again it's it's almost like those are the things that I do like I host dinner mm. parties for friends or for colleagues and I get into cooking like I love cooking um sometimes I feel like I don't have enough time to do it because I am quite mm. tired after after working and doing my business and things like that it is quite a time-consuming um task and it does require a lot of focus and a lot of energy um, and and so I, I build that stuff in. I build in the week on cooking course into my life. I build in the dinner parties and I build in, oh, I might just make a batch of, like, jam or, um, you know, I, I'll create Christmas presents for friends and for family that might be, like, I think one year I did, like, a batch of chutneys, um, jam and something else, uh, people, like, preserve lemons. So I find ways of bringing the things that I enjoy doing into mm. the things that, like uh, almost like the tasks and that it's I really about want to do. Mm? Hello, can you hear me? So, what were you saying, Lata? Oh no, yeah. you you were talking. You said it's really about something. Um, it's really, <laughs> to me, it's really about finding the balance that's best suited for you. Right. I remember yeah. when I first started, everyone's like, "Oh, you would never find balance, especially you work in construction." I'm like, well. Actually, my kind of balance is different than your kind of balance. Like your kind of balance might be going home and watch TV for the, for the evening. For me, yeah. it's, you know, spending a little bit of time doing maybe cooking, maybe going out to nature. But You are a great balance... cook, by the way. You're an amazing baker slash pastry chef. Like I still remember that morning tea thing that you hosted. Oh, yeah. I like green <laughs> about those cookies that you made. Um, but yeah, it kind of doesn't was... help now. I live in a, a one-bedroom apartment, and the kitchen is like really <laughs> tiny because we can't spread out. So I kind of miss that. But the ultimate <laughs> game is to to have a big kitchen, so I can go back to that as well. Pastry <laughs> chef away. Oh, I love it, and, and my dream, and that's why I'm so jealous that you went to a cooking course um, in France. Because my dream is to actually go to Paris and go to the Cordon Bleu and take three months and learning their pastry course. When that's you like do it. Dream. I will come. I will no do worries. that. With you. Although I don't know, I kind of want to learn all of the stocks and the sauces and all that. You know, all the classic stuff. I I don't know if well, I just do have savory. So you can do the savory. I'll do the sweet, and then we to. can um we can have dinner parties all the time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So com completely different topic now. To me, you embody range woman fully, but you also re embody what I call dreams. Living a dreams beyond dreams life, like. It's like dreams building up on dreams, up on dreams. And I truly believe we can all have it all, just mm -hmm. maybe not all happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. And to me, you are a person truly has it all. I <laughs> want to talk about <laughs> finding your soulmate because 
you know, we talked about this before we jump onto the interview. A lot of women working in corporate, especially when they have successful careers, sometimes they find it mm. hard to translate that success into their relationships. Mm. So I know, I know about, I've followed you long enough and know you long enough about how you found your soulmate, but um, I would love for you to share that story. And also, how do you think, you know, a woman, a career woman that loves their career can actually transfer? I believe energies are transferable. If you can be mm. successful in one area, as long as you know how, you can mm. actually transfer the same. So how did you find your soulmate and <laughs> how did you transfer your superpower across to relationships? Yeah, sure. And I keep putting my glasses on because I have been on screens a lot lately. So I am just kind of resting my eyes a little bit as well as we do this. So, um, so yeah, so I mean, I have always been really kind of like focused on career, high achiever, um, you know, focused on education, focused on career. And it was really strange because I'd gotten to the age of like 27 and I'd never had a boyfriend before. So I absolutely um, kind of wanted that person in my life who I could kind of share life with and um, enjoy being with and enjoy being around um, and kind of growing together as well. Um, and it just, I just couldn't find the right person. And it was really strange because exactly what you mentioned, it's like, it, it was almost frustrating. I was like, mm. how come I can get so much success over here in career, finance, you know, health, um, just like any other relationship as well. But this one area just seemed really, really um, just unachievable and I just mm. couldn't figure it out. Like I dated, yes, I, you know, I had kind of seen people for a while, but I'd never actually been with anybody who I cared deeply enough or who, like or even with anybody for longer than like a couple of months um, to call them my boyfriend. And so I had, you know, obviously learnt to be a coach and NLP and um, a presenter and everything like that. And so I ended up doing a NLP breakthrough session, which is um, a big session where we release all five major negative emotions. So we release anger, sadness, fear, hurt and guilt. Um, all of the limiting decisions, limiting beliefs about the particular area of life that we're working on. So I was working with um, a fantastic coach. Um, we did that big session, released everything. And I can tell you right now, like within a week, um, a guy who I'd been seeing really casually, we'd actually been set up through a friend and I'd asked that friend to set us up. <laughs> um, so he, I love, my heart just opened. Like I can't explain it any other way. My heart just opened. Um, and I just started to really kind of like realize I was like, Hey, I actually really like this guy. And like this is something there and within a couple of weeks I was like oh, I love him and I need to tell him this like it was the strangest thing it was like mm. almost like an overnight kind of thing but obviously it hadn't been right like huge emotional blocks and shifts had transformed within me from the deep emotional work that I'd been doing and the deep release work that I'd been doing which is why you know I love working with um, my own clients and doing that breakthrough session in whatever area of life that they need to get a breakthrough in because it's just so powerful because I've had my own experience of it. Mm. And so, you know, I'd made it to 27 without ever having had um, a boyfriend and that person who I was with, um, who we did get introduced through a friend, um, his name is Josh. And we've been together ever since that's how powerful that transformation has been and i am going to be completely upfront and honest yeah it's not always great like no, no relationship is going to be it's like, like passion right it's not exactly. always exactly like i'm not saying that we haven't had our challenges we haven't had our problems um like we have as well as everybody. Like he didn't come overseas last year. He has some health problems and he didn't come overseas with me. I went on my own and that wasn't ideal. Like I would have loved to, for him to have come. Um, and yet there's so much in our relationship that is so powerful, that is so great. We understand, he understands me more than I understand myself. I can tell you that. And so it has been a beautiful blend of learning, growing and building a life together. And, you know, within six months of doing that, like, I was getting everything that I'd always wanted. I was spending holidays like Christmas um, and New Year with him within six months, uh, within seven months, sorry, we had gone overseas together. Within a year, I think it was, we had moved in together. Um, and just this year in February, we had what we called a happiness odyssey, um, which, you know, think of it like a wedding, not wedding, because um, we actually decided not to get married. A wedding non-wedding I wore yeah. a beautiful pink dress because I wanted to be a princess for a day 
And we had this happiness odyssey and what it was really about was about the fact that we knew that we were going to just keep changing and growing over the course of our lives, that we um, weren't always going to be the same people and we might not always want the same things. And that if there might be a time when we didn't want to be together, that was okay. Like mm. we can we can actually have a conversation about that. And if it's not the right thing, like happiness is our the state that we both want to live in the most. So it ended up being a beautiful, bright, colourful celebration of life and love. There were no rings. There were no vows. There was no celebrant. There was none of that stuff. And we had our family and our friends and colleagues just you know like 60 of our closest friends family and colleagues um celebrating with us over the course of a of a weekend so it was a three-day event um and eating good food you know sunshine well there wasn't actually a lot of sunshine but surf <laughs> sand good food flowing drinks like it was just a really really fantastic just the way that you event. have it right just yeah. the way that you will have it yeah and you're and you're right. Like I just I see a lot of my own clients. I see a lot of other women um, really struggle with that area of life. And I think that it's a symptom of the fact that we've we as a generation have been taught that we can have anything that we want. We've got equal opportunity to be independent, to not rely on a man. You know, like the the feminist movement had already happened and was well ingrained mm. and well embedded. And so we've learned how to stand on our own two feet. The, I can't tell you the number of women who are my age, girls even, like, you know, we, we I, like we're still quite young, um, like I'm 32, but I can't tell you the number of um, women and girls who between the ages of about 25 to now all have property and their partner doesn't. Mm. Their partner doesn't own a property and yet they do. It's almost like because women are actually more um, like they've it's been shown that they're actually more risk averse, um, that they actually can have really good financial um, systems and structures set up and they are really great savers and they make good long-term investments as well because they don't have you know that risk profile and so all like all of these women that I know who are um who are property owners but either their partner doesn't have a property or they don't have a partner and it's almost like they've gotten to the stage where they're like, I have poured everything into my career and I'm so independent and I can do it all. And I think that it's just that they don't know how to be vulnerable. And that was mm. me. I didn't know how to be vulnerable. I didn't know how to be the person who could be the, like, you know, show up in my feminine in a relationship and um, participate on that equal footing because in so much of the rest of my life, I am the leader. I am that dominant personality. I am the person who wears the pants in when it, you know, when a crisis happens, you'll yeah. see me often step to the front and take the lead. And so you're so the in one in the fire or when, when there's a fire, you'd be like, right, exit that way. Follow me. Go. Yeah. I do it all the time. And I do it sometimes like unconsciously, like I just I just have that that sort of drive to do that. Mm. And being in a relationship is about really meeting the other person. Like being in a relationship has taught me to be really like flexible, um, that things aren't always going to go as planned. And also just that real kind of like love, like mm. um, just like you can't even describe it. It's just really just like I'm getting emotional just thinking about it. It's just love. Like it's just it's not fireworks. It's like no. a, it's like a rock. Like I think there's that quote out of um, Wuthering Heights where it's like, you know, Heathcliff is like the rock, and it it's true. It's almost like this feeling where it's just this undercurrent that just exists there, and it's like you just know. Um, and it took me a lot of work to get there. It didn't happen overnight. Yeah. It was about though, like releasing any emotional blocks that happened in like that were inside of me around relationships, trusting being vulnerable, and then learning how to be in a relationship. Mm. And I think that there's a lot of women like you, like I think there are a lot of women who are starting to get the feeling that like, well, it's just not for me. Um, and, you know, I think it's probably just about asking yourself, is that is that really how you feel? Like be honest with yourself. Do you actually want a partner? Because it is fantastic to have somebody to mm. spend life with. Um, and me and my partner, we just share a lot of values. Like if you calibrate on values first in a relationship and, you know, lifestyle or wealth or looks or whatever it happens to be second, or I actually do think that lifestyle does play a big part too. 
Oh, definitely. In, in yep. like, um, what's it called? Compatibility as well. Mm-hmm. But calibrate on values. Find somebody who shares the same values as you. Um, and that's what me and Josh absolutely have. We just, we share the same values. We, we love helping people. We love being honest. We love enjoying life. We love, you know, eating out. We love, mm. um, celebrating. We love all of those things and we love helping each other and, and being with each other. Um, for now and you know maybe down the track that's not the case but we're happy to have that conversation and that's why we called it a happiness odyssey because like that was our sort of wedding was a happiness odyssey because we just recognize that things are going to grow and change over time so it's kind of like what we're talking about with the passion take the pressure off you know we don't need to necessarily have a that one long-term partner forever and I think that in relationships that's also what is um, putting a lot of pressure on people they feel like this this is it and this has to be it and just recognize life changes, you change, the world changes, things might change down the track and that's okay. If you go in, um, you know, I guess kind of just appreciating that, not necessarily like going in like ready for the end, but just going in, being aware of that and going, yeah, that's life and that's going to be okay. It just shifts the energy as well in a relationship. Mm. So as much as possible, it's just, like if there's an area of life that you are feeling blocked in, whatever it happens to be, whether it's relationships or any other area, just know that you don't have to write off that area completely. You can actually do the work, um, you know, release whatever's going on and um, get some new tools and some new strategies, some new patterns and some new ways of thinking to be able to get the success that you want in that area. Mm. And that's why I think for me I love personal development work and I love working on myself but also helping my client getting into it's almost like it's like diet it's like exercise it's it's a habit it becomes a part of your life now so for me it's like oh okay today I'm getting a little bit triggered with this today I'm feeling a little bit like that and knowing having the tools that you can work on yourself but it, it works with business it works with relationship it's almost like the more that you work on you even though it sounds like I'm only working on my own emotions yeah. the ripple effect that will have yeah. on your business. Like the amount of the client that comes to me and say, I want to work on my business and what they end up finding is they've got better with their relationship, right? Yes. They've got better with their finances. <laughs> it's never the area that you think you're working on. It's the ripple effect and all, all the sub areas that affect. And that's the beauty about, I think, being in this space of, you know, there's a, a famous saying, I can't remember who said it, change is constant yeah right it's what you're going to do about it and and think the best way to gear ourselves up with change is to really work on ourselves because the more that you work on yourself the more flexible you become the more can loosen the grip Mm -hmm. the more we can get along get on board with the fact that just like you said life changes and maybe change what change means Mm. like change doesn't always have to mean loss no like it can actually mean gain it can actually mean pleasure it can actually mean benefit it can actually mean a new future it can mean all of those things but you'll never know unless you go down that path and you you know take that risk or you have that opportunity and relationships are risky emotions are on the line hearts are on the line and you've got to be willing to to do that in order to feel that deeply and to actually enjoy um how it feels to be able to be vulnerable. And Mm. it's one of the things that I love most about our relationship. I get to be, you know, so playful in my relationship. I get to be like, you know, obviously there's not just nicknames, like everybody kind of has nicknames, but it's like (laughs) I get to be really playful. I get to be like a little kid sometimes. You get to tap into your inner child. I I do. It it does tap into my inner child and I really enjoy that because I'm so, you know, I'm the the founder and CEO of my business. I'm this senior (laughs) change leader. Like I do so much leading all the time that I love having my own secret language that only Josh understands or pretends to understand. (laughs) (laughs) I love that stuff because that is actually a big part of me and I don't get to show up that way in any Mm. other area Um, and I feel so safe in my relationship that I get to be, you know, that that sort of full person. Like like I'm not going to do, like I'm not going to make up a a language, which I have several languages, by the way, Um, but I'm not going to make up a language in the workplace, right? Like (laughs) 
not gonna happen I get to do that in my personalities um in my relationships that's where I kind of get to to be playful to bring some other elements to the table be playful be sensual and also be really nurturing and caring Mm. um again like I'm a really dominant personality and coaching has brought out that kind of caring side in me like I've always cared but I probably haven't had as much empathy or sympathy before I became like a coach and before I learned NLP. And in change management, empathy is really important too. And being in a relationship has really also allowed me to bring out that nurturing. I love caring Mm. for people. I love hosting dinner parties and I'm not planning on having any kids. Um, Mm. We've agreed that we don't really want to have kids. And so being in my relationship, I also get to, you know, have that play that nurturing role um, too, which is also very meaningful and very satisfying for me as well because, you know, relationships are give and take, um, uh, you know, situations um, mm. and it's and I just think that they're just built on respect. Trust and respect are the absolute foundation of any um, romantic relationship and from there the vulnerability, the playfulness, the nurturing, the giving the collaborating the building a life together stems it's really about building safe a safe environment for you to be yourself really and it's like with scott and i we get to be our inner child in the most craziest ridiculous ways because we feel safe but at the same time i think and i love the saying once again in relationship it's not you know, a half plus a half equals to one. We're so often mm. looking for that person to complete us. But it's like yes. I'm a whole person, you are a whole person. But the spark that we get to create together gets to emanate and change the world. And that's what I'm excited about relationship. It's like I'm a strong-minded woman. I really don't need anybody, but life is so much better and so much in, more enriched to have this other person in my life because I get to tap into yeah. a completely different environment and just get to have fun. Yes. Life is really about having fun, tapping into your joy, tapping into your passion and your pleasure and just enjoy it. Absolutely. It definitely is. That's so on that note, Lata, how can we work with you? Okay, so I actually have a free three-day masterclass on next week. Um, it is called Reimagine Restructures and it is, you know, focused around change management, but essentially if you are a business leader, if you're a project manager, a change manager, if you're in HR, if you're a coach, if you're just anybody who wants to help make this experience of restructures um, better for teams, better for people, um, definitely jump along to the masterclass. It's going for from 12 to 1 each day um, for three days and we're going to be covering some incredible stuff um, in it. So you can jump over to our website, www.passionpioneers.com.au. You can see our other services and stuff there too. Um, And even if you can't make all three days or you can't make those sessions, um, definitely still register because that means you'll get access to the replays of those sessions. So that's what's sort of coming up for me. It's I've never led that masterclass before. I've never shared that content and that information. It's brand new. It's very change focused and very leadership focused, which is really exciting. Um, So yeah, that's what I would say is like, you know, check that out. Come along if you like my energy, if you like kind of some of the um, concepts that I bring and some of the ideas especially around employee experience and around leadership and around sort of that growth mindset as well definitely come along to that because you get some amazing gold out of it or just check out our website my website www.passionpioneers.com.au and you can find other information and get in touch with me there and follow me um actually don't follow me connect with me on linkedin (laughs) because i share most of my stuff most of my content on linkedin um and yeah i'm always happy to kind of broaden my network so um absolutely feel free to reach out just in the little note just say hey like you know i saw you on this um live stream and would love to see how we can work together, collaborate, help. And I just want to share and help more and more people um, just transform the the experience of people, of teams and leaders. That is so beautiful. Thank you once again, Lara, for what you've done for me and also all the information you have shared today. Thank you. Thank you. Very welcome. Very welcome. And thanks, everybody, for joining. It's been great to have this beautiful chat. It's been really, really (laughs) fantastic. Bye. Bye. I'll see you guys tomorrow.
Are you inspired to start taking action towards your next big dreams and expand your range so you can create a life of your dreams? The Womanly Way Mastermind is my six-month group coaching plus one-on-one program where I help and support women increase their range, finding balance in their life, finding self-confidence as well as taking them through each and every step towards their next big dreams. If you're interested, please contact me through all of my social media platforms or you can email me direct on Angela at AngelaWayne.com.au. I am super excited and I can't wait to help and support you through this next chapter of your life and support you through expansion, growth and embodiment. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes or whatever platform you are listening on. Share this podcast with your friends and follow at The Womanly Way on Instagram for glimpse behind the scenes, teasers of upcoming content and juicy snippets of the best interviews. Or if you prefer to watch the show live and interact with my guest and I, Feel free to follow me on Facebook or YouTube at Angela Wang, The Womanly Way. Catch you in the next episode.